Hey there, friends. It's Renee here at the Rose Hour. And this week we have two dope, fresh guests. First, the creator, the inventor, the black Netflix, if you will, of Quelle TV, Deshauna Spencer, and one of the most amazing roses I've had, Karen Krug of Spoiled Dog Winery. Pew, 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 pew. Everybody drink rose. Rose. So we sip rose. Rose. We're gonna sip rose. Rose. Sip rose. Baby girl, she don't play. It's Renee here at the Rosie Hour Podcast, and today we are here with Bartender Ben. Yeah. Yeah. So, how are you feeling? Oh, man, I'm amazing. Awesome. I feel great. That is fantastic. It's week 99 of the quarantine. So, 99999. Yes. Um, what group is that? Bone. <sighs> The 99th day of quarantine. Well, I was saying week 99. Week 99. Month 99. Year 99. It just feel like a lot of time spent. Solitary confinement. Well, we all can use it sometimes to do some self-reflection. Uh, understanding of uh, gratitude and, and understanding of what manifestation is and focus and all those things so there's some upsides to this i believe yeah, hit the unicorn button after that unicorn button yeah, there you go <laughs> i didn't know what else to call it the yeah. magical tree bell warm and fuzzy button. the gems i like to call it the gem the gems. because it, it just feels like yeah we all need a few gems in life and that that definitely was a moment of yeah yeah, I definitely am. I can appreciate that. I need some gems. If somebody wants to send me some gems, like some diamonds or something, that's cool. Um, yeah. Well, speaking of sending, <laughs> what are we drinking today? <laughs> um, this is from Spool Dog Winery. Oh. So this is a rosé of Estate Pinot Noir. Oh. So, you know... At first, I was like, man, I like my, my bubblies. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm starting to try these cork rosés. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, most of them are cork, but you mean the... Um, you know what I mean. The, less, no, the non-sparkling. The wine cork, the one that don't, don't go pop, that you need a you know a device to remove right. the, the non, cork from. The non-sparkling. <laughs> the non-sparkling. So non-sparkling has, you know, a normal wine cork that you need a, you know, a corkscrew to remove. So generally those wines are, are stronger. You know, like this one here. Ooh. Feel it too. It's a 13.6%. Oh wow. So that's, that's pretty stout it's up there. You know? Yeah, and I see some some wording on the label. What is that yeah, let's talking look at about? That. Let's look at that. Okay. Um this is a uh, handcrafted from uh Vine to Bottle. Gold Dog Winery, a state-grown rosé of Pinot Noir, 
is an inspiration is inspiration and joy of all the Krug family. Our wine, our vineyard and winery is on the Wembley Island, situated off the coast of Washington. And not the district. We mean right, Washington. The state of Washington. Yes. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so it's, it's um yeah, I so like the a, color of it. It's a beautiful yeah. color. So there's a, a nice painting of a a spoiled dog here on the cover. Um, yeah, I I'm love a, it. I'm definitely a fan. Um, go out there and get you some of this spoiled dog winery. Their rosé is amazing. Yeah, and we actually interview Karen, and you guys are here that today. Uh, she has lived a career, I tell you. So, like, she she's done a lot of things. She's traveled the world, and then, like, now she's a winemaker, which is pretty, pretty cool uh, to know, like, you can transition in your life no matter what stage you're in. Thanks. I really love to see when people create something from a vision in their head and they make it a reality. And then they also make money off of it. Yeah. yeah. I love seeing that transition. Yeah. It's also like to be noted that like it believe like in a belief system. And, you know, um, one thing that I'm learning from a lot of these winemakers and wine companies is their belief in faith um, has them being able to succeed. Right. They believe in themselves. They have a belief in a higher power. All things align. Um, And it's like hearing all their journeys. Like there's always some roadblocks. There's always some obstruction. People that don't listen. People that don't help them. And then they're like, but then I blah, blah, blah. And we went to a Jay-Z concert or, you know, something random always happens in all these stories. And like, it's so cool to hear like how they all persevere because it's like, that's life <laughs> essentially like everything goes left until it goes right yeah I, that's what I love um, <laughs> and I like this wine and I like Karen she's really really cool and I can't wait to go uh, visit her vineyard because it sounds amazing yeah we definitely go to um, to vineyards and stomp grapes with our feet um, so if anyone would like to invite us out to stomp grapes grapes at your vineyard please let us know um we would love to come and stomp on grapes and help you make your rosé yeah although i i i think someone in one of our interviews said like they don't do that anymore. i know they don't <laughs> i know they don't it's i know it's like, like a there's I a machine Lucy, i want to i love lucy moment you know i want to roll my pants legs up and stomp on some grapes while listening to some i don't know um Italian mafia music. I don't know. Okay, well, that just was weird and typecast. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry. I just, you know, I want the experience, you know? I don't know what Italian mafia music is. Man, you know, listen to, uh, what, is, what was that movie? Is uh, it like 3-6 mafia music? No, that's the wrong type of mafia. Well, I'm talking about, you know, Goodfellas, you know, the theme music in the background. That type feel. You know, you hear that, you know. Okay. Have some strings and stuff in the background. Okay, girl. <laughs> hey. Segway. <laughs> you know. So, um, I know we only we 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 only have X amount of episodes in Insecure, and I know last week we talked about it for a while, and we want to keep this conversation short. Notice that the chats came in because we gotta keep it short. Um, wanna know your thoughts about the season finale, and we, we let's keep this to a minute because <laughs> there's a lot of thoughts. I, I will say that that's probably a man's the sum of 
all men's greatest fears. What is that? Hopping up with a baby like that. Like, come on, he wasn't he, he wasn't expecting that. That was left field. Like, do you think she was expecting that? Hey. Like, I don't really vibe with Condola because I don't like how she did Issa. But do you think she was expecting that? That's that's not well, I mean, I can't really, you know, to answer your question, no. But I can't speak to the to the female perspective. I'm just giving it from a man's perspective. As I say, you know, it's some of a man's fear. I don't know what a woman's fear is. You can speak to that perspective, you know. But if I'm out of a situation with somebody and I'm looking to move forward with my life and then they say, hey, guess what? You got this lifetime commitment with me now. Uh, well, I mean, uh, well, everyone should have been adults in the situation. And, you know, I, I mean, it's even bigger than that. Like, Whatever conversation he said that they had in the last episode, clearly they did not have a, a, a conversation in that last episode. But what did they have then? I don't know. But clearly this would not have been like, well, what did they talk about in his final goodbye conversation to Condola before he officially was back with Bob? I mean, he could have, he could have, you know, said, all right, we done. They could have messed around or whatever. But I think. She could have had a baby baking in the oven then and not know it. You dig what I'm saying? So, like, that last conversation had nothing to do with her popping up and saying, hey. I don't know. I, by I the way, I'm pregnant. Hey, I beg to differ. I beg to differ. And I, I beg to differ because it's like. How so? I've never been pregnant, but I have had many friends who have and in many different situations. And, yeah, even they were like, mm-mm, that's not how it happens. How what happens? How, how the... Oh, I just come over to your house, but we uh, we just had a conversation about breaking up. Usually, that's like the the final words. Like you can do what you want. By the way, and that's how it works. But I think it's even larger. Like to see uh, Issa and Molly come back together at the very end uh, and talk about like their strives and how they are experiencing dating right now. Mm-hmm. I think that was a huge moment because like it's it shows that like friendship goes in ebbs and flows and uh, sometimes you have to separate to come back closer. And also too, I think they, they were able to come back because they had a common... Problem? Right. And, you know, you see that sometimes with just friendships and just people's relationships, you know, if they're both experienced and are having a common problem, they, they find points where they can identify with each other. And True. I think that, you know, that's where it, uh, you know, reignited their friendship was that they had a common enemy, which was dating. Well, we would call it enemy because it was like enemy. Molly, they both, they fight. Well, Molly, it seemed like she, she realized she wanted to fight for a relationship. But it was and too late. Well, it is it? Late. Is yeah, it too late? Yeah. It was too late for Molly because she kept pissing the dude off. I don't know. I yeah, think, I know. I think I think there were moments where he was like definitely bending, right? More than she was. And in relationships, you know, both people have to bend. They don't necessarily have to do it at the same time, but it's like accommodating, right? It's accordion, like uh, keys, black and white keys, whatever you want to use as your analogy, but everything works together in tandem. Um and it just sometimes it's one key or another, but it, it all 
makes a melody. And I think she realized, you know, she was being selfish. Again, I mean, she realized she was being selfish after the person walked out of their life or out of her life. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. And also, okay, I know we got to make this quick because... Yeah, we gotta get to the episode because we're talking to Deshauna Spencer of um, Quayle TV, who amazing. Yeah, she created her own streaming service, amazing. which they have international uh, movies and, and and stories and docu series um, on the streaming service, and it's all black, uh, regardless of country, all black creators. So it's pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Um, but but real quick for Molly and uh, well insecure um tiffany storyline i resonated a little bit with it because i feel like in life we we see people struggle we don't even realize the struggle that people are going through and like she was struggling with postpartum and like nobody really noticed like all of her friends were so busy with their lives they didn't realize she was separating herself like she felt like she wasn't a friend anymore well her husband like saw it but he didn't see it well I mean you don't really see it that way right because everyone has their their problems things they're going through things they're dealing with right but you know and those things that we deal with in our life always tends to be greater than you know what other people are encountering at that moment so you know with her she was dealing with internal battles and also too if you look at her friends her friends don't have children so her friends really wouldn't be in a spot to identify that there's something wrong with her or, you know, identify it as an issue. You know what I mean? Because they don't have kids. They haven't experienced postpartum. So they wouldn't identify the, 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 the issues that she would be coming up with until it's too late. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and, and to that point, you know, um, sometimes though, when we get in our own spears we don't realize what's around us and like that's I think the problem we sometimes need to like pull ourselves out because you know going through postpartum and watching like you could see it during the episodes right as as a viewer we could see Tiffany falling apart yet and still um it's not exactly the reality right like our realities are false because we're in our own spirals and we're in our own spirals we can't see when someone generally is having a because postpartum is also like a behavior of I won't call it mental health and if it is I'm so sorry I don't know I've I've not experienced it but I've seen so many of my friends my sister my niece go through it and it's like the there's no one looking at you anymore because as, as with women right after they have babies um, the attention and focus is off of them and it's like your partner is more involved with the baby uh, or what have you and like to see that and then like see how Tiffany like even the episode where Issa and Molly started fighting at the event at Issa's event it was crazy because like Tiffany you could see she was like, I just want to be outside because of the postpartum. It was like, it was probably like one of the highest levels she probably was at and she didn't know how to handle her emotions and she felt like she was left out 
And like she actually even said she didn't even like the baby at one point in the episode. Right. I think that we do need to educate um, our, our friends that do not have children on the symptoms and the signs so we are more aware so we can be more proactive as friends and, and, and help our friends with newborns out. Yeah. You know. It was just sad to see. And it also, it was good to see. What's, he, what's, what's the one that always making jokes? Kelly. Yeah. Kelly was serious this episode. Right. It was good to see that kind of like growth in her. Well, you know that, you know, she also has another side to her as a, you know, as a, um, as a character on the show. She's not just for comic relief. She can also be there to, um, you know, she's there and she she does stuff. She has a, a job. She has a profession, you know. Yeah, she's like a financial advisor. She's like right. smart as, like, as all ever. She is super smart. <laughs> right. So it's good to see that, hey, she has a playful side and also has a, a, a work. Personality, too. Right. Well, I'm just excited to see next season. And I cannot wait for Insecure. Definitely a fan. Definitely a fan. Yeah. Show. Yeah. And I'm going to have to talk to my friend, Yukira, who we're going to have to interview because she's a writer on the show. Because I want to know what is what are they going to do with all this? It's so much. So much. So much. Definitely. Well, okay. Enough of Insecure. Um, I'm really excited about this interview. As I mentioned, it's with Deshauna Spencer. And she is the creator and owner and founder of Quayle TV, which is a streaming service. Super dope. Super exciting. Love it. I just love hearing from all of these female creators. You know, whether it's the wine space, tech space, business space. Love it. Yes. Love it. Yes, yes, yes. So let's get into our first interview with Deshauna Spencer of Quille TV. Pew, 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 pew. Boom, let's get it. Hey there, friends. I'm so excited because this person we're interviewing today, this is a real regal queen, y'all. She is the creator of Quayle TV, basically the black Netflix, right? She was beyond her years and created this. She's so dynamic, powerful, engaging, smart, innovative. I mean, I, I there's so many adjectives that I could add to who she is, but I don't have enough time. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Deshauna Spencer. Thanks for having me. Oh, nice. Aww. Yay. <laughs> Cheers. I know. Cheers. <laughs> virtually. Right. Virtually. <laughs> how's, how's your uh, quarantining social distancing going? It's going pretty well. I mean, it, reality is like, I've been working from home for years. So <laughs> you're like, this is normal. <laughs> this is normal. Like someone posted like on IG, like, you know how you had like the eye, eye bully sticker, like the eye shower sticker. Mm-hmm. Like, you're doing like, well, I've been working from home for years. I've been showering from <laughs> at home. I, like, this is, this is like, regular to you. To yeah, I don't forget to shower. I'm forgetting to brush my teeth <laughs> and all those things that it's just like some people forgotten to do. I still know what day of the week it is. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like I'm one of those people. I'm like, it's day. Yeah. I don't know what day it is. <laughs> but you know what? The, the only difference that I've seen so far is that everyone wants to do a video call. 
I mean, like, now oh all of God. a sudden, yes. like, we've been doing phone calls for years. Now you want to see me? All of the all the time, like why? <laughs> I have I have real issues with it, and if my boss listens to this, sorry, girl. Uh, <laughs> I like the last few weeks, she's been like, "When are we gonna see your beautiful face?" I'm like, "Child, do you know how much makeup and concealer and I got an hour of makeup to put on before I am cred- camera ready and." I don't really feel like doing it. <laughs> like going nowhere. Exactly. I'm, I'm not twisting my hair. I'm not going through all of that so you can see. Me. I mean, I guess I'll put a hair wrap on, I guess. But like, yeah, everyone wants to do a video call for even like the mi- like minor conversations. People are like, so you want to do FaceTime? Or No, we can just do a call. Right. Let's take it back to 1958. <laughs> Dial me. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. So that's the only thing that really annoys me. Like literally, like bef- literally, like in February, I was doing regular phone calls, and then here's the pandemic. Now it's showtime. Now, know? right? <laughs> now it's like lights, camera, action. Everybody wants the social light camera, uh, uh, lights exactly. in their house, so they can have a good filter on their face. Girl. <laughs> well, as y'all see, Deshauna is nothing but big fun. Oh. <laughs> and I just am so thankful for you coming on the show today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate oh, you. For having me. Yeah. Awesome. So, you know, I, I gave you this introduction and like I there's no introduction that can really, really put into words like all that you have done. Like you really are innovative. And I think I, I think now is the best time for you to kind of break down your story of like how you created Quelly TV and a little bit about Deshauna, like who you are and like, how do we get to the black Netflix? <laughs> you know, I asked my question, I asked myself that question all the time. How, how did I get here? Because, <laughs> you know, being an entrepreneur is such hard work. But, it, uh, is, it is. <laughs> so honestly, you know, my from Memphis, Tennessee, born and raised, of course, when I was growing up, there was no Netflix, boys and girls. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> to Gen Zers. <laughs> I grew up with this. Exactly. I We had Blockbuster. And um, actually, I worked at Blockbuster and, and right before everything collapsed. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, like when I remember when people started getting Netflix because like, I worked at Blockbuster, you know, for so long. I was like, I never, I was like crazy. I'm not getting Netflix because they killed Blockbuster, but Blockbuster deserved it. I mean, right. I worked there. The late fees, the late fees were insane, and they they weren't they weren't being innovative, right? When that's what happened. Yeah, like, and like they gave like, people fees for like not rewinding too. Before know, we went to I the mean, VHS era. <laughs> Uh, like I said, I worked it. I remember really well. People would curse me. Oh, I, I worked in black, the black bus in the black neighborhood. And, you know, so folks were like, you know, two hundred dollars. Oh my god, I was insane. I hated it. <laughs> but I like, I liked, I liked movies. And so, but when I was in college, I studied communications and journalism. I assumed that I would be a journalist, which I was initially. I worked for the Clarion Ledger in Jackson, Mississippi. I was an obituary writer and then like a general summer reporter. When I graduated from college, I, I lived in the Bay Area and I was a cop reporter for the Oakland Tribune. And, 
And um, and then I moved back to down south in um, Kentucky, and I was a features editor for like a weekly newspaper. And, and around that time, especially when I was working in the Oakland, at the Oakland Tribune, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do at the time. Um, you know, Netflix, of course, existed, but not the way we see it today. Right. And so um, I. I never imagined like what I'm doing now. I, I still was really focusing on focusing on writing and, and, and magazines. So I started an online magazine um, when, when I moved to DC area called Empower Magazine. And I was working for a trade association at the same time. But around a couple of years after I started Empower, Empower was going okay. But I just felt like um, I wasn't really able to push forward the type of missions I really wanted through the magazine. And I really was also flipping through channels and watching the content that I saw on, on cable and like on the streaming services. And especially at the time, you know, this was years ago, I really didn't see any representation. If you saw like black women on TV, they're most likely like on reality TV and the fighting and the cat, all the, you know, all the, Cat call all the, all the negative things you see um, when it comes to reality TV and black women, mm-hmm. and like I like history and I like discovery. And even now, if you turn on the History Channel or Discovery Channel, you don't see any black stories. You don't see any mm-hmm. black people. No black representation at all. And I still feel like to to a certain extent when you think about mainstream media, when you think about how black people are portrayed, there there seems to be certain black the slapstick comedies or the romantic comedies or the mansion. I mean, just a lot of the same type of content. And so I really feel like I want to do something about it or like what, what can be done or maybe there's a streaming service. It initially came, really it was like, okay, I don't see what I want to see. So maybe there's a streaming service that has it. And so I was doing some Google searching. And I was like, well, there's no black streaming service that focuses on independent black film from like festivals and documentaries and right. history and more, more like nerdy type, you know, content that's just not like slapstick. There's something wrong with it, but just something a little bit more elevated. Mm-hmm. I just, I didn't see it. And so it's like, well, maybe I'll start it. I mean, which was kind of crazy because I didn't have that background. My background was in journalism. I was a writer. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I could eat and I could edit, you know, I could lay out a magazine. And I was pretty good with like our WordPress site. Like we had a WordPress site. I could, I could do HTML and the basic stuff when it comes to tech, but building a streaming service is much harder than having a, a online magazine. Like it's so much more involved, so much technology, so many things you need to do. The payment processing, the make sure films don't buffer and, mm-hmm. you know, reoccurring pay and all the things that goes those into having a streaming service and I was like how am I going to pull this off and it kind of started from there I wanted I was a finalist for a business so in 2012 I was a finalist for a pitch competition that I did not win and because I was a finalist I could ask them why did I win and they were saying at the time they weren't sure about the future streaming so whenever I tell people that story yeah but I think about it, it was 2012 it was literally just Netflix and Hulu I don't even think HBO had HBO. No, they didn't. Now. A lot of these companies didn't start until maybe 2016. Exactly. So 2012 was when I had an idea for a streaming service initially. And I was, they were like, we're not sure about this whole video thing. We're not sure if that's going to be the future of streaming. I don't know. And so I was like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. 
long, you know? And so I kind of, honest to God, literally, I kind of put the ideal off when, when I lost that competition. I had bought the domain name, Quilly.tv and QuillyTV.com. I had a little starter site and I just let it go. I let the website expire um, in 2013. Then I had some personal issues. Like my dad was like, diagnosed with cancer. My uh-huh. nephew died. My, my yeah, my nephew died. My aunt died all in the same years. A whole bunch of mess happened wow. that year. Even my dog became paralyzed. I'm like, what? what? The? <laughs> yeah. Even my dog became oh, paralyzed wow. that year. Oh, wow. I, I did mean, not know <laughs> that. Girl. Yeah, it was, I mean, literally, first my nephew died. My um, my brother's uh, their newborn child. My aunt dies like a month later. My dad gets diagnosed with cancer two months after that. Two months after that, my dog becomes Paralyzed. I'm like, what? What is going on? Like, it was literally, and then I became sick because I had like fibroids, and I was like the woman issue of blood for the rest of the year. Like, it was just a, a horrible time. And the last wow. thing, last thing I was thinking about was the Quilly TV. Like, I was like, I don't want to do no Quilly. I'm like, I forgot it existed. I forgot I bought the domain. Name. I, I mean, forgot. you I'm, had reason <laughs> to do so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. I mean, I'm, I moved back to Memphis temporarily. I was there for five weeks to have my mom with my dad. Thankfully, he's in remission. He was a non-smoker too. I was, yeah, I always tell people like, you know, don't sleep on lung cancer because 20% of people, just my little plug, 20% of people who get lung cancer have never smoked. And so I do tell people anyone can get lung cancer because my mom, too, she died two years before my when my dad was diagnosed, and so wow. she was very religious and smoke, and you know never smoked. And she got it and passed away. So um, I went into 2014 really like in a fog, like oh my god. And so I remember around the spring of 2014, there was another. Co- competition and so I remember thinking like oh should I even apply this thing I never went anything and we're talking to my husband about it he was like you never know just go for it the application was doing like 40 less than 40 hours they wanted like this whole this long like application they wanted a three-minute video Mm. pitch I'm like oh my god I gotta do all this stuff and so I remember putting in an application and I think I forgot to put my email address in the application. So uh, I got a, a message via Twitter from them saying, you're a finalist. We can, oh. we can reach out to you. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, really? But I was so intimidated by all the other people who were finalists. They worked for the New York times, the former editor in chief of Essence, editor in chief of like, uh, heart and soul, like Knight Fellow, Harvard grad. Wow. I'm like, oh, and I went to Jackson State University and uh, <laughs> a J J State. That's what y'all say, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. J State. The I love, I love my school, but I didn't go to Harvard. I, 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 I mean, I get it. To... I get it. I went to Southern Illinois University, Carbondale for <laughs> undergrad. So, girl, saying all of that is even worse. <laughs> it's <Ew>. a mouthful. <laughs> Girl. So I was like, man, you know, can I can I win this? You know, but I gave it my all and I won twenty thousand dollars. I got the money um basically January 2015. And from there I started working on the ideal, but it's been such an uphill battle just to launch the business because I'm not in Netflix. I don't have billions of dollars to to create content or do various things. So it's been a really organic type of build from there. But you know, despite all of the Many challenges, with, I'm not sure if I'm trying to talk about it, but you know, I'm, I love what I do. I, I love being able to create them, creating this platform for, for filmmakers who wouldn't otherwise have their content being shown. And, and then, you know, we have customers who are like, wow, you know, I've never, I never knew about, knew about this historical figure or, 
I'm just learning about this issue or, or this film really made my day or it got me through. It really something that my, just, that my mama and my husband watching for like strangers around the world. Yeah. <laughs> give me money <laughs> or give the company, we give the, we give the, give the company money to, you know, watch content. So I'm always really humbled and thankful, you know, for this opportunity to be able to do this. Well, I mean, I didn't know you were going all that. And I knew you in that in 2013. I I think we know each other then. I, You know, in DC years, everything, it seems like oh, forever. Like, you know, people for forever. And I, I was just so, you know, taken aback by all that you persevered and pushed through and experienced. And, you know, those traumatic situations uh, are part of your story now and how, you know, you're so amazingly, triumphantly doing great things. And, you know, you're the first, you're the, you're the name a black woman that finally did something that we've been doing for years, but finally getting recognition for. Uh, that's you, you know, you're paving a way for so many women behind you. I, I mean, that is so commendable to create a platform for black creatives. I mean, like, that's mm-hmm. amazing. So with that, like, what is Quayle TV? Like, just like, let's get into the nuances of it so sure. everybody understands what it is. Like, I, I want people to be clear about <laughs> it and get a descri- subscription at the end of this. <laughs> so Quayle TV, we allow people to discover and celebrate Black stories from around the world through independent films, documentaries, web shows, children's programming news, and lab experiences. And we have content from North America, Africa, Latin America, the Caribbean, Europe, even Australia. <laughs> And we we everywhere. (laughs) We are everywhere. And that's one of the main reasons why Chloe TV is so important. I want to show that we're everywhere. Our stories sometimes are very different, but also very similar. We, you know, around the world, we experience some of the same challenges being being Black. And I want to show that. Um, Quili means truth in Swahili. And so our main mission is to curate content that shows a true reflection of the global Black experience. We also want to be a space so we can amplify the voices of Black filmmakers since they can make money off their work and and be seen. Yes. Yes. Listen. (laughs) Be seen. (laughs) We need y'all to be seen. Mm -hmm. And so how does one get their content on Quelle TV? So if you go to our website and you see a mission, you see a a bar that says submit, you click there and it'll basically give you all the details that we need to submit content. If it's a film, it had to have been in the film festival. I know a lot of people are like, well, why? I don't want to go to the the drama. We get a lot of submissions. And to be quite honest, because, you know, we're, people are paying for our service want to make sure that we're having high quality content it does have to yeah. be Tribeca or Sundance it could be it could be Gary Indiana Film Festival literally but we just really want to see that someone besides you or like you know whoever yeah. they are thought the film was good enough to screen somewhere and it's just a, a, a really first screen for us to kind of cut through all the noise um, and then from there uh, we want to make sure that the film is not stereotypical monolithic or demeaning to Race. Like that's super important to me. And so if I honest to God, when we screen things, we see something that's super stereotypical that shows a brother in a way. We we don't want artificial, we don't want all happy stories. You're not looking for unrealistic stories. Everything is hunky dory and perfect, but we want reality. We don't want it just some gang gangster movie where the guy doesn't have some type of 
epiphany or it goes to school. We don't want him getting shot at the end, like, you know, minutes to me. Yeah, yeah. Believe me, I was a, back in the day as a kid, I loved this too, which I, I think I cried. I don't know if I loved it, but it was a good, I liked it. At the time. It was good enough it back then. Yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was good enough back then, but like now, um, one of the things I'm really careful about is films that trigger, right? Because mm. a lot of black people go through PTSD, whether it's in the workplace or in school, or, you know, and just seeing images and us getting shot down by cops and things like that. Like we experienced so much PTSD and I'm very careful about making sure that people don't experience that when they watch a film. Now, some of the films do have historical references and talk about some touchy subjects, but I think there should be a balance to that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very keen on that. And so sometimes some films may have been a film festival, but it really just is triggering for, I can, I can see it being triggering. And so I sometimes put a pause on it, especially like right now where people mm-hmm. are stressed out about the pandemic. I, I'm definitely being even more aware of the type of content that, that we put out there. If it's a web series, um, we're pretty much flexible it, it, because most web series don't have a festival for it to go in. So we just make sure that it's not stereotypical, monolithic, monolithic or demeaning. And we also do check for lighting and audio because we do get some films that the audio is off and, or the yeah. lighting is bad. And, you know, just it looks like a things. DVD of somebody getting yeah. bootleg and you don't want that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no I mean, bootlegs, people. No bootlegs. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, with web shows, we, we know, like, everyone is, like, for, for instance, Issa Rae and, you know, she started out on YouTube and it wasn't, like, you know, Hollywood quality, studio quality content. It was still good content and the lighting was decent and the audio was on point. Like, it's not that hard to do that. And so, those are just some basic things that we require. But if you go to our website, it will basically kind of give you everything that I just verbally said. Just yeah. Now. Well, how do you spell Quelle? Because I think that might be another thing people may That's not true. know because it's I Wahili. Know. <laughs> I know. It's K-W-E-L-I-T-V. So it's K-W-E-L-I.TV. And we're on Roku, we're on Apple TV, we're on Amazon Fire, we're on iOS, Android, and recently on Comcast Xfinity. Ooh, yes, yes! <laughs> Come on, Xfinity. Next up, Fios. We come to you, Verizon. <laughs> yes. So what are you working on next? Yes. Like, what are you doing now? And what can people look out for with Quelle TV? So I know we're working on increasing our distribution. We just signed a contract with another uh, cable company, Cox Communications. It has a it hasn't gone live yet, but we're hoping to go live on, on Cox by June. I'm having early conversations with others. I can't mention those because the contract hasn't been signed yet, but yeah. I've been having conversations with other distributors to see if we can get our content on there. And I'm just keeping my fingers crossed, prayerfully meditating on it. And we're also going to be launching the AVOD on Quilly TV. So it's going to be a 24-hour live stream. Um, just like a regular, like you watch a regular live channel, we're going to have some of our movies on there and it's going to be ad supported. And so it'll be a way to get a, get a sneak peek of some of our content on our platform. So those are some things we're working on. Uh, we're also building a fund for our filmmakers. So it's going to be Quilly.fund. So basically it would be like a crowdfunding platform exclusively for our 300 plus filmmakers that we have on our platform. Wow. And the reason we're doing that is because um, I, we did a survey and about 90%, it, this was like, you know, January, like I would say pre-corona. Yeah, and so pre-COVID. 
I know, you know, 90% of them at the time were looking to um, shoot their next film over the next 12 months. And literally all of them were looking to raise funds, mostly through crowdfunding. And so we want to create a, a space where our filmmakers are already vetted. People have seen their films on our platform. And so it makes it easier for people, I think, to, to give to a, a film campaign. If they watch the film on Queen TV, they go, okay, I saw this film. It was funny. I'll give them a, I'll donate some money. So we're just trying to test the waters to see when's the best time to launch. Maybe because people are going through so much right now. The last one to do, hey, now we created a fully mm-hmm. fun. I know people out of works, but let's donate, you know. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> give us your unemployment insurance as a donation. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Give, <laughs> right, give us that, you know, stimulus, the COVID check, right? So we're, we don't want to do that. So I've been very, trying to be more strategic about when to launch that because it'd be for the filmmakers. I want to make sure they're successful when we launch it. Wow. And see, you're still giving back. This is so amazing, <laughs> y'all. And if you are able to make a donation, you know, definitely look up Quayle TV and reach out to Deshauna and make that donation because, you know, there's some of us that are unfortunately, um, but fortunately, right, uh, still making yeah. lots of money during this pandemic. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And if you are and you want to give back, Quayle TV is a good place for you to give back. The, the more you know. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. And this person don't really been, you know, trying to decide on how to, you know, even like market the company. You don't want to be overly like right when people have lost their jobs. And so, you know, people are and people are going through mentally, especially seeing the number of like people who've been affected by this. Yeah. It's very it's depressing. It's triggering. You know, I'll be honest. I was triggered so, the other day. I was like, whoa. Um, I mm-hmm. know people who uh, passed away and it's like every person I know of color knows somebody more likely, especially if you're black, you know, someone, unfortunately, that passed mm-hmm. away. And the thing mm-hmm. is, like, everybody's passed away with COVID, but they might actually have passed away from something else because they had underlying health issues that unfortunately mm-hmm. a healthcare system didn't care about. And now these racial disparities are coming out, but that's a whole nother day, another, another topic to get into. But yes, uh, you're right. Uh, like, and like St. Louis, you know, just like everyone who's died in St. Louis from COVID, they've been black, like not one white person in yep. St. Louis who had COVID died, you know, like unreal. And so, and, and then we hear, you know, of course we're not talking about politics. It's about, you know, according to me, but I just, oh my God, we hear just the, the 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 lack of leadership and and opening up cities, yeah. especially black cities, you know, or using experimental just, drugs on those yeah. that are unfortunately sick, and you're using them as guinea pigs. We're gonna talk about that. Trump. I know, I know exactly. It's just maddening. I I try not to watch too much of it because it it really it really affects me. So. So I feel like like now is a good time to, you know, if you do have the resources to subscribe or to a Kali TV or, you know, take this time to, everyone we're a hustle, hustle, especially being in the D.C. area, but hustle, hustle, hustle. But I think now is a good time to sort of take a step back a bit and, you know, take some time for yourselves. And and not, if you understand, if you want to hustle, hustle, go head on if you feel like that's your way of coping. But also take some mental breaks and whether that's through a book or through like Kali TV, like, it's like the perfect time to do that because we're not traveling anywhere. All my travel plans are canceled. 2020 is, in my yeah. opinion, canceled. 
everything, everything's canceled. I mean, even stuff from like up to September, I've got emails canceled. So this is a time to reflect and hopefully maybe some change and, and hopefully some, some downtime too, for people who aren't going through right now. Yeah, I agree. And like, you know, I feel like it's control out delete. But we can't, we Mm -hmm. have to persevere and move forward. And, you know, I think you said it best, like, just do what you can right now, right? You Mm -hmm. don't have to do anything but just survive. And whatever Mm -hmm. that means, if that's binge-watching Quelle TV, reading a book, sitting still, uh, getting a subscription to Quelle TV, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, just do Mm -hmm. what you got to do for you. And that's so important. So, yeah, we appreciate that. Well, we got to put out these pubs. How can people get in touch with you if they want to, one, uh, get a subscription, and then, two, also, if they uh, just wanted to, like, follow you on social media? Sure. So, our website is kweli.tv. On our homepage, you'll see an orange join button. Just click that. It's a seven-day free trial, so you can binge watch as much as you want. You don't have to pay until the seventh day. Um, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's just at K-W-E-L-I TV. Awesome. Now, I end every interview with this. And I mean, we could keep talking forever because I, you're so innovative and so smart. I'm just, girl, I'm just like, you do circles around people. Uh, you do. You do. You really do. Um, but we just have to bring you back on because we got to figure out what's going on with your your shows for the fall because that's, you know, what okay. everybody be looking for TV shows is during the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, but wanted to ask you, what is your favorite rosé or adult beverage? So, I, I love rosé. I don't really have a favorite one. I'm so bad. But I will say that I tend to like the Malbec rosés because they Ooh. tend to be on the drier side. Yeah, so I like the rosés from from Chile. So those, if I were to choose a rosé, it'd be from from that region. But I always tell people I, I drink three things mostly. <laughs> I'll say four. <laughs> so uh, water, mm-hmm. wine, and whiskey. Water, wine, whiskey. Those are like my things. So I'll say three Ws: water, wine, and whiskey. That's why I mostly drink, and I drink a lot of kombucha. So right now, just with this corona virus COVID-19 get some kombucha please yes. and especially some ginger lemon I'm on my kombucha tip it really helped me out when I wasn't feeling well but I, I, I love me some I love some whiskey I love bourbon when it comes to bourbons gosh oh I, I can there are several that I like but uh Wolf of Reserve is one and I so, mean they're good they are good yeah yeah <laughs> And you were you were about to say another one because I mean Wilford Reserve. I mean that's my go-to. <laughs> yeah. So there's another one. I had to go. It's, it's, I, it's, I keep forgetting the name of it, but it's like downstairs in my house. My husband buys it for me. It's Aww. just like, it's like something. It's like some key or something. I can't even think of it, but it's like a key on it. But it's really really good. And I'm I'm a neat person, so I can drink it neat. And yeah, I love it just like that. Which people are like, girl, you you can drink that. You know, guys like you can't you can't drink that. Come on, like, all right, mm-hmm. <laughs> You are from the South. You are a Southern Belle. You can do it. <laughs> you can too, shoot. We're from Illinois. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that Chicago kick in. <laughs> okay, exactly. Well, Deshauna, this has been so amazing. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to bring you back and so we can talk about your fall lineup on the shows and what people should look forward to. But 
Thank you, thank you, thank you for for joining us today so much. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Yay! Cheers! (laughs) Cheers! Thanks to Shauna. This was so awesome. And thank you for uh, sharing all those amazing things and how you got to uh, where you are today as like the owner of an entire streaming platform for artists all over the world. Um, It's so amazing and dope that you created that. So thank you for all the work you do. And Quelle TV. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we return, we'll be back with Karen with Spoiled Dog Winery. Yay! Hey there, friends. It's me, Renee Johnson, here at the Rose Hour Podcast. And today, you guys, super duper treat. It may be raining in Washington State, but the rain isn't going to keep this queen away. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Rosé lovers near and far, the most amazing winemaker, Karen of Spoiled Dog Winery. Woohoo! <laughs> Thank you. Hello, Karen. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Yay. So you're staying indoors because of not only COVID, but because it's thundering outside. (laughs) It's something very unusual for here because usually, well, we just had all this sunny weather, which is a little odd too, but usually when we rain, it's storm. So I love it, actually. Yes. (laughs) It's sort of calming, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. We really appreciate it. And I'm just so honored because you're a woman-owned vineyard plus winemaker like what mind blown <laughs> yeah yeah so, so would love to know more about how you got started and like how how are you you know the owner of one of the most amazing wineries in the country sure so i have to give you a little bit of background um because my my journey to where i'm at now is not your normal one um, this is my third career. Um, so I started, yeah, as an engineer uh, initially, um, and then I ended up um, in law and overseas. So I was in uh, based in Kazakhstan, but working in the former Soviet Union for many years, I, which is very unusual. <laughs> anyway, yeah, um, that's a that's another and, podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we had family we had to take care of on this side of the world. Um, so. I decided we lived in Colorado, but I wanted to do a complete change, another career. And so I, I had always, I love wine. I absolutely love wine. Always dreamed that would be something I wanted to do. So I decided, okay, let's just do it. And we came up to Whidbey Island. So we're actually on an island that's kind of north of Seattle, but like a half hour from the airport. Um, so not far. Uh, it traffic's okay, I should say. <laughs> and um, anyway, it has really good climate because we're in a rain shadow here, um, which means we don't get, we get about half the amount of rain Seattle gets. Um, and also in the summers, you know, we're in a drought, so there's no rain in the summers, which is when the grapes, you know, need to be growing. Um, so we started, we soil tested and started the winery um, here on the island. We have like 25 acres. Um, and um, planted all the grapes, uh, and we grow Pinot Noir here, 
We have a very similar climate to Burgundy, France, which is where Pinot Noir is, you know, comes from, which that's what we planted here with Pinot Noir, and that's what our rosé is based on, mm. is Pinot Noir. Yeah, so I had a lot of chemistry from that from that engineering <coughs> degree. Um, so I didn't need to go back and get a formal education. Um, I needed to kind of supplement things that I didn't, you know, know. So I started taking, kind of picking and choosing classes. But it really what helped me the most was working with other winemakers and just seeing, you know, the different um, kind of an art and a science. So you can get the science piece, <clears throat> but the art piece is harder to get from this classroom, you know, work. So I did both of those. And um, we started making, uh, we, we, started in 2003 and our first vintage was 2007 and I got a double gold for our Pinot Noir in 2009. So <clears throat> kind of, kind of went right in there. Oh, wow. And so we, we do both the Pinot Noir and we do the Rosé of Pinot. Ooh. Yeah. And so our Rosé, there's different ways to make Rosé. And I'm probably sure you've probably had people talk about them. But anyway, the way we make our Rosé is we, we actually, um, we have seven different clones of Pinot, which are basically, they're not clones like you're cloning an animal or anything. They're just different. Some have a little more fruit, a little more spice. Mm -hmm. um, it's all natural type of thing. But one of them in particular gets ripe earlier, and it tends to be not as, um, it's not my favorite of the clones. So I picked that one as my rosé because we can pick it early and make it. We press it. It, it tastes really awesome, as rosé. Uh, not as Pinot Noir as much as rosé. Um, but we pick it, and then we press it after um, about 24 hours on the skins. It gets that really pretty kind of rosé color. Mm -hmm. um, and then we press it and make it with all of the grape in there. So it's a very full-bodied, very complex rosé. Some, some tend to be, um, you know, a little bit... It all depends on what you like. I and mean, some are a little bit not as complex and very simple, and others, ours is really awesome. Anyway, people absolutely love it. We sell out of it. We usually release it on Mother's Day, and we're sold out by the 4th of July, usually. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that popular. goes to show you as well. <laughs> Rosé yeah. all day, literally. <laughs> yeah, but Pinot Noir is one of the best base grapes, I think, for a rosé. Um, a lot of your like champagnes and things that come from France and everything are based on Pinot Noir grapes or Chardonnay, but Chardonnay is actually from a Pinot Noir grape as well. So it's kind of a really good base. Um, but the other way that people make it is like if you're making a, like a, say a Grenache or something like that, or another red, you're doing a similar thing, or you're also doing that Saunier method where you're just kind of taking the free run juice off of your, um, you know, your, your wine and using that mm -hmm. as your rosé. So, oh, wow. um, and that, that, that's good too. It's, it's, it's lovely as well. Just a different, you know, it's all different styles, different things that you want. Cause not all rosés are created equal. Right. <laughs> and yours is, it's um, the upper echelon of perfection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but we've won, we won even a platinum for it, which is the, you have to have already won a gold. Um, mm -hmm. And then they rejudge 
the wines at the end of the year, the Wine Press Northwest does, and then they um, platinum is like above a double gold. So we've gotten Ooh. platinum for our rosé. So it's it's pretty pretty good. Wow. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, we already know the answer to that question. I love to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so how long have you been a winemaker then? Well, so 2003, we started planting the grapes. I started focusing on winemaking too um, and experimenting and, you know, doing classes and that sort of thing. So since 2003, yeah. Wow. And uh, like I, the first vintage was 2007. Um, you know, it takes a while for grapes to um, mature enough to plant before it's like your fourth leaf pretty much before you can really pull the grapes off and make something out of them. Mm-hmm. And then it does take time once you do that before you can actually bring it to market because you have to let it, you know, ferment and sit and communicate and then finally bottle it. Right. And then you can release it. So everybody, all of our friends kept thinking, oh, sure, you're doing wine. Sure. You can't buy any. Yeah, right. Took forever. Wow. <laughs> and so, yeah. like, what was your feeling, like, your first bottle sold? Because, I mean, that's got to be, like, euphoric. Really, it, it is. It is. Especially when you can see this plant that starts, every year it starts out, you know, it's pretty, um, just, you, it's, it's, there's no leaves on it. Uh, the winter, you know, you've pruned it way back, so it kind of looks like a skeleton. And then all of a sudden, the leaves start coming, and then the little, like right now, we're um, in our plants, we've got the little clusters growing. You know, they haven't bloomed yet, but they're really cute, you can tell. Mm-hmm. And then to watch get bigger, you know, go abrasion, and they turn purple. And then, you know, to pick them and then make something out of that is pretty pretty awesome. It's kind of like if you grow a plant in your garden from a seed, you you have a similar feeling, but it takes even longer with the grapes. So it's even more of that feeling of, wow, this is really neat. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like seeing it from sort of like birth to, you know. birth, And then, yeah. And then the other thing is when you taste it and it's like awesome, it's just like, wow, that's really neat. (laughs) And everyone else likes it too, because you think, well, it's just me. You know, I yeah. grew it. That's why I like it. Oh. <laughs> well, it's but, good that other people have the same palate because right. it works. Yeah. <laughs> and most yeah. people, I mean, it, it sounds like a lot of the the care you put into it um, is what actually makes it so amazing as well. Because I've actually tasted some rosés. Uh, clearly, I'm not going to say which brands, but it doesn't <laughs> seem like that care isn't there, like that you provide and like the ingenuity that you have behind like, okay, I have this type of grape. I would like to have this type of outcome. And knowing like the reactions and what people's palates, especially your own, are like, go hand in hand. <laughs> right. So I think I think when you're a smaller winemaker, uh, or not a smaller winemaker, um, a smaller winery, I think that you do a lot more attention. You're handcrafting, you know, everything. And you are giving every single... Um, type of varietal or whatever you're making a lot more attention. I mean, when you're big, you're just going through mass production. So I think if people have the opportunity, if they've never gone to a smaller winery, they should definitely, because it's a different experience for sure. And I, and I really think women make great winemakers too. <clears throat> and the reason, well, I'd say that generally, it's probably not hundred percent true. It is. But I think we're, <laughs> I'll we're, say it for you. We're pickier. We're pickier about things. Cleanliness, 
um, just, you know, what, uh, what, what's everything's going to at the time? Did it finish? Is it right? Is it, you it's know, all, all the attention to detail. Yeah. Yeah. I think we just are that way. So I think that works out really well as well. And we're really picking up the flavors, I think more so than, but I, but there's some really good men. Winemakers. I'm going to go ahead and say it for you. Yeah. Women winemakers are the bomb. Amazing. And <laughs> men, you guys are good, but women are great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and and especially like in this industry, I mean, I know like what I do is a lobbyist. It's very few and far between, especially like minority women. Like, but the industry of wine and winemaking itself and owning vineyards, I'm I'm sure women are just very few and far between. How how do you kind of like manage with all of that and being, you know, like a woman in the industry and leading in the industry? Fine. I've always kind of been in male industry, so I'm not um, as sensitive to it as maybe some people are. I just function the same as if, I mean, I don't really discriminate against some if somebody's male or female. Yeah. Um, and I assume that they will not do the same. And if they do, and I can tell when they do, mm-hmm. I can usually set them straight pretty simply with just telling them stuff so they realize, you know, I know as much as you do. Or being like, taste my rosé, it's better than yours. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, proof's in the pudding, right? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. And I think then it goes a long way to to say something without having to say that. You know, and just demonstrate it more. Yeah. Yeah. Always well. Yeah. Well, you said it right. The poofers in the pudding. (laughs) Yeah. It, well, it's in the rosé. Proof's in the rosé and proof's in the pudding, right? Yeah. Or maybe it's rosé pudding. Hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that one. I know. That's kind of weird. I took it I took it yeah. a little too, too far. Okay. Yeah. So... Yeah. I know like COVID has impacted people um, in different ways, especially as small business owners. How has this, you know, social distancing impacted you if it has or or sort of like how are you guys adapting to sort of our new normal now? Oh, okay. So it, being in Washington State, we were um, very shut down uh, compared to a lot of other states, mm-hmm. um, which I actually really appreciate. And I think a lot of the people in this state do as well because we've really gotten it under control. But part of that meant, you know, you couldn't uh, have anyone come taste or consume alcohol anywhere on your property, which is a total different way of visiting a winery than what we've had before. So the only thing people could do is come and buy bottles or we would deliver or they could do a curbside pickup. Um, And people were really conservative about going out. So it, um, you know, we didn't have the type of business we would have had, but we have a great community here on the island that's very, very supportive. So a lot of people just came out to support companies that businesses just because they wanted us to stay in business. So we did get some pretty good support and we did a lot of, um, you know, we do a lot of shipping to all over the United States too. So we had a lot of people that were ordering wine. I think anyone who gets shut in starts drinking, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, I know, mean, I know I have. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a popular, let's just say it's a popular thing with yes. it. Um, so we just, just like this last week moved into what they're calling phase two we have four phases and so phase two here is you can have 50 percent of the people you normally would have had and they have you know your tables have to be spread out and you've got this whole protocol of cleaning and 
you know, checking people in masks and all that. Mm -hmm. So there's quite a bit of um, routine or new routine that has to be added. There's quite a bit of overhead for that. Oh, yeah. Um, and so people, while people come visiting, kind of are a little bit annoyed. We're really annoyed, <laughs> you know, relative to all this stuff we have to do um, just to have people feel safe. Um, but we're, you know, we're opening and we're doing things differently in compliance and, it, and it's working. I and mean, it's not, it's hopefully this doesn't last forever because yeah. it would change our industry in a huge way if it did. Um, but, you know, Every time you do something like this, I think you learn some things, and some things you learn make you a little bit better long term mm -hmm. with doing something like, like, for example, our restaurants all did takeout, which might sound everybody has that, but on the island we didn't really have that much, and now mm. I'm really loving that takeout. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you know, it, it's different things. I'm sure there'll be something about what we're doing people will love that we never did before. Um, I don't, I can't think of anything offhand that I love right now, but I'm sure there's something there. <laughs> Somebody somewhere um, loves it. <laughs> yeah, we'll learn something from it and it'll all be good. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and your uh, vantage point of this whole situation is so amazing. You're so optimistic. And that goes to show like why your, your vineyard is doing so amazing because you are just, you know, always looking for the positive. So I just commend you, your staff, your team uh, for, you know, making lemonade out of this lemon situation. Right, or right. Exactly. making rosé out of yeah. grapes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we're still, so we still, during that, we could still make wine, do our, you know, so we were bottling and, and, you know, we could still do our vineyard work. We just couldn't have people, you know, coming to the winery the same. Oh, um, so, I get it. Yeah, and I think they did that with a lot of the industry because if you shut that down, you know, vineyards, gosh, it, they take years. Um, you can't shut them down and expect that they can recuperate. But any type of ag like that, because we are in the ag industry, yes, um, they couldn't shut that down completely without having. I mean, it's one thing to shut a business down and have the economic impact. It's another thing to destroy the base of the industry. So you can't yeah. shut the type work down. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad so they did not do that. And I'm pretty sure all of us out here who love a good beverage with adult uh, festivities to it appreciate all you guys do. Yeah, yeah. So um, that piece was was still going. And, and I think I've made a lot of friends that know that if it ever gets really bad, even worse, we're the ones you want to be friends with. We have wine. Yes. <laughs> if the yeah. liquor stores and markets close, knowing yeah. a person at a vineyard would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. So pick your friends. Pick your friends carefully. Very yeah. carefully during this time. And speaking of, yeah. how can people connect with you and like follow you on social media? Well, okay. So I, I have to explain one thing, and that's our name. Our name is Spoiled Dog Winery. And the reason our name is Spoiled Dog Winery is because our last name is Krug, um, K-R-U-G, which is famous for champagne and then Charles Krug down in California. Mm -hmm. We can't use that name, so that's why we're Spoiled Dog Winery. Oh. Um, well, it's not really cutesy. It, was, uh, it had a purpose, but we also had Spoiled Dogs, Australian Shepherds. But anyway, <laughs> we, you can get a hold of us. Uh, we have a website, Spoiled Dog Winery, and you can order wine, um, or you can come visit us, but of course, if you're on in Washington, D.C., 
And right now, I don't think we have to, that many flights coming in here. You probably yeah. won't for a while. Not, not for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but we ship to most states. There's a few states we don't ship to, but most states we do. Yeah, so we, we, and we go through a service, Vino Shipper, because they do all the compliance with every state, um, which we started to do years ago and didn't realize that we're too small to do that. Um, yeah. So we use them and it works out really well because they get a really good deal on the shipping rates. So oh, we nice. Have, yeah. So yeah, we, yeah. And we have a full, uh, you know, um, our wines vary from everything. Um, I mean, we have whites, we have reds, we have everything from a cab, you know, to rosé, to a Sauvignon Blanc or anything, you know, you want. So, yes. Yeah. So check good. them out and don't forget to their social media and follow oh, yeah, them. We have <laughs> Facebook and Instagram. Sure. I mean, you have this day and age, you've got to be on social media. And my daughter-in-law, so my daughter-in-law and son and daughter-in-law, my, uh, they moved up here about five years ago. And she does all of our social media. Well, she does a great job. <laughs> yeah, she's really good. Yeah, definitely. And she's basically in charge of the tasting room um, completely, um, you know, and she handles all of that really well. well yeah. And then Jake, our son, works with us, like in the, vine- well, with me in the vineyard and winemaking. My husband helps with fixing anything that gets broken and doing that. And then we have a couple of employees as well. But so we're pretty small. Wow. Small but mighty. <laughs> yeah, small but mighty. But definitely, if you want to have a good rosé that's just delightful, I mean, different, smells beautiful, tastes beautiful, it, definitely order it. Yes. You'll love it. You will love it, guys. Don't share it with anybody, though. <laughs> right. Buy them a bottle. I feel like it's like that one commercial. It's like, no, you have to get your own. <laughs> it's like, right. you don't exactly. want to share it. You want to get exactly. them their own bottle. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Karen, yeah. I have one last question for you. And I think, you know, I usually ask people what their favorite rosé is, but because your for, fa- favorite rosé is your rosé, because that makes sense, because it's bomb.com. Yeah. Um, what is a great uh, meal or food that one should eat or pair with your rosé? Well, being in the Pacific Northwest, one thing we have abundance of is really awesome shellfish fish. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, you know, mussels and oysters and clams and all that are really, and we get the, the fresh salmon that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> all of those do really well with the rosé. I mean, they're, they're, it can handle the, you know, like a salmon's kind of more rich and has more, um, you know, um, it's just, just more full-bodied than a lot of, like, a, say, a halibut or something, although it does well with halibut. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it can handle that, which a lot of rosés get kind of wimpy, um, mm. but not a, not a not one from that we're based in Pinot Noir. It's definitely got that complexity and everything to it. But, I mean, you know, it can go well with things like chicken and pork and stuff like that as well, or vegetarian dishes. Um it, so it it does really, and and it's not so ours is dry but fruity, um, but it's not sweet. And I I think I hopefully people that are listening to you love rosé and they know most rosés anymore. The and nobody's yeah. making them really sweet. I yeah, like that they're not sweet because I can 
I feel like I'm not drinking like juice. Yeah. It, which, which was never, when we grew up, that's all there was. And it really wasn't very good. But mm-hmm. now rosé has come into its own. I mean, it's like really something that people need to pay attention to. Agreed. It's all rosé all day, every day, <laughs> not yeah. just for summer. But yeah. I was going to start drinking. It's nine o'clock my time. Well, a little bit after night. And I thought, well, I shouldn't probably have a glass of rosé at uh, nine in the morning. Yeah, you should. It's called breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> There's fruit in it. It is healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. Well, it, it has all the vitamins, I'm sure. Exactly. It has like vitamin D, C, E. I'm making up some, yeah. but I'm sure yeah. they're in there. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, if you drink enough, everything's in there. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, well, Karen, yeah. I'm just so thankful for you making time for us, especially early on a Saturday, uh, to talk about your amazing uh, vineyard and being a woman who's making amazing wine and your your vineyard uh, spoiled dog winery. Uh, so everyone go to their website, purchase some. They ship to different locations yep. across the country. So you definitely want to try yep. it. We've got wine club all over the United States. Yep. Ooh, I, yeah, we got to talk about that wine club. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thanks great. again, Karen. Really yeah. appreciate this time. Sure. Thank you. And have a great week. You too. Yeah. Cheers. Okay. Cheers. Bye. Thanks, Karen. And your rosé, again, is so amazing. Delicious. And I mean, I thought I had a lot of career changes. Um, I think that's just natural for lawyers. We just jump in and just do it all. So thanks, Karen, for sharing your story. Yay! Want to also thank Deshauna for being a guest on the show, too. Uh, Bartender Ben, all the amazing people here at Fair Hill Studios to make magic happen. Uh, also, don't forget to check us out every Wednesday as a new episode drops. And next week, pew, 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 it's episode 20. So be ready because it's something amazing, surprising, and super dope freshness. Also, remember that we have our IGTV Live series still going. The virtual happy hours every Thursday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Rosie Hour podcast, uh, IGTV, and then also our Soulful Sundays where we have tarot card reading, health and wealth uh, advice and experts that come on and talk about how to stay soulful during a pandemic because it's week 99, y'all. We almost made it because, you know, like the summer months is supposed to be hotter, so it's not supposed to be like... I don't know. I don't even know if this thing is still happening. I mean, the protest definitely didn't spike anything. But that's another conversation for another day. Anywho, don't forget to follow us and subscribe to us on all podcast platforms. And don't forget that we have merch on our website. Go to theroseahourpodcast.com. Check us out there. And follow us on all social media where the Rose Hour Podcast. Again, thanks to all our guests. Thanks to all of you for listening. And we can't wait to see you next week. Pew, 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 pew. Sips and parade, friends. <laughs>